right. Well, welcome back, Harvey. I want to pick up where we left off at uh, our last uh, podcast where we were talking about some of the GOP um, must-have legislation that's happened this session. Uh, there's a lot out there, and I think, um, you know, probably the ones that the public knows about the most is uh, school vouchers and um, the ban on gender-affirming care. Those seem to be the, the top. There, there's others, but those right. really are the ones that I think people have shown up at the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, former House member used to say he didn't know there was going to be a, a, a very significant bill on the floor unless there were a, a TV camera suddenly popped up that day. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only time I, 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 it bothered me is when the mariachis would be in, in the rotunda <laughs> and you couldn't hear a thing because they were so loud. Um, but and if they happen to be there when the demonstrators are <laughs> chanting it, uh, it's, it's disturbing. <laughs> Disorienting. We're trying to get least. some work done here. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, the So we know we talked about the school voucher bill, and we see that, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, written about where it's headed and where it looks like nowhere. And and the, the threat has come from the governor's office that we they're going to be a special session in August. Um, August, because that's the teachers are back in school. Right. Actually, um, I think he said September. Did you say yes. September? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is a little bit cooler. So uh, Slightly. <laughs> if we're going to have to walk up the hill Slightly. to get to the building, we'd like it to be about eight degrees. Yeah, uh, that's a cooler. convection oven as you walk up to the Capitol. Right. It's awful. Um, which actually is smart. Because uh, that does that does cut down on the amount of uh, background n- noise you're going to hear at the, at the Capitol. But um, the other is the uh, ban on uh, gender affirming care, and I know that's been a, a huge issue. I, I'm a little confused about that. That uh, I'm not confused myself, but mm-hmm. I am a little confused <laughs> about that bill and and the the stance that um, actually the stance that Democrats are taking on. To be honest with you, because um, uh, and I wonder how that uh, relates to and 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 to the next election. What I'm wondering is if you're for this gender affirming care. And when I look at it, I may be wrong, but I'm thinking, you know, you're talking about, let's say, the the, the years that a child is under the care of a parent. So when they're some, when they're from time they were a baby to the time they get out of high school. 18 years old. Is 18 what years the old. Bill encompasses. It yeah. does. Okay. So I'm, so I'm, so I am, I did have that right. Okay. Good. Um, and so me as a parent, not as a, not as a political person, but as a parent, uh, I don't want anybody telling me anything, not a word about how I'm going to raise my two boys. That, and, and I've had that, I've had that battle with, um, you know, with the school on some things. I remember my youngest um, was in middle school, which to me is probably the worst years of education. Because toughest on the kids, too. <laughs> it's toughest on the kids, and they learn literally nothing. Um, and I hate to say that, but I had to go through it, so I feel like I've got, I've got some pretty good <laughs> <laughs> some, some evidence and data to back it up. It, they spend more time on discipline and all these other things, and which is important, but they don't they're not teaching them anything. And um, at least it's not in a way that's, that's taking. But I remember there were some uh, events that the school, and at the time I just sort of, 
you know, I was bothered by it. But now I see kind of the result, it seems like the result of some of that. And I, I, I don't know if it was um, LGBTQ Awareness Day or something like that, which I don't have a problem with. But the problem I had was they made everybody leave their classrooms and join in the whatever it was, the, the sort of, you know, pep rally that was outside. You had to go. And uh, I remember my son came home and he was not really, he was unhappy, not about that, about the LGBTQ part of it, the fact they made them go to it. Like you couldn't go just over and do something else. Like if you didn't really want to go, like you cared less. It was mandatory. It was mandatory. And I was, and and so I just kind of like, okay, the school, blah, blah. But, you know, that's quite a few years ago. And now we're at a stage where things are, you know, to me, I, I make that connection where You've got kids of that age and someone trying to determine things for you in that period of time. And, uh, you know, once they go to college, I mean, if you haven't taught them by then, you know, they, they better make some good <laughs> decisions. And, of course, I'm lucky I've got boys that do. So, anyway, I just kind of want your thoughts on that. Um, I look at those kind of issues as a parent and not as a political person, not as a Republican or Democrat. And But if you look at the debate that's going on at the Capitol. I understand that on the Republican side, things can get, a, you know, a little beyond just the basic, don't tell my kid what to do right. <laughs> kind of thing, right? <laughs> I get that. But then I also, how do you, how do you, how are you on the other side saying, oh yeah, you should be able to, to do that? So, you know, help me out there a little bit. Well, first of all, let's remember that um, the, the, um, for most of the Republicans in the Texas House, um, they, their primary, their basic concern is winning their primary. And mm. so inside, uh, GOP land, uh, this has already been decided, um, that they're, that what their position is going to be. And there are legitimate arguments that, uh, you should deny gender affirming care, medical treatments, hormonal, hormonal, hormonal changes. Um, the problem from my perspective is, uh, and I can argue this round or square, except for the fact that uh, what we're doing is denying accepted medical practice. Parents do not any longer have access to, to uh, a uh, generally accepted practice. And they did not make exemptions. They did not grandfather kids that were already on medications um, and the harm that might do. Uh, after gun violence, uh, probably one of the leading causes of death among uh, kids is suicide, and a lot of that has to do with a, um, gender confusion, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, two sessions ago, Joe Strauss, then speaker, said uh, shut the whole argument down. Tran- there was a different transgender argument, but he shut it down by saying he was not going to be responsible for the suicide of a single child. Um, the um, the fact that they didn't make exceptions for folks already medicated tells you that we are not in scope of practice or, or uh, generally accepted medical practice. Um, we are in, in the land of politics, uh, essentially criminalizing uh, uh, medical health care and parents' choices on medical health care. Uh, so it's, it's complicated, but the, the fundamental thing is the Republican primary is dominated by evangelicals. Um, and the, um, uh, the question 
it's a complicated question, but if you listen to the Florida debate, it boiled down to there's two sexes and there's a biblical overtone to it all. Mm-hmm. And any kind of uh, kind of crossover is um, heretical, I guess. Um, it didn't. It, it's the latest culture war issue. It's, it's worth noticing, noting, by the way, that in 2006, these things change. In 2006, when George W. Bush was running for president, um, banning gay marriage was one of the most salient uh, issues uh, of the Republican side, and it had crossover appeal. Right. Uh, so, um, and now, what? Twenty years later, eighteen years later, uh, the Supreme Court thus far has ruled that gay marriage is a constitutional right. So, yeah, uh, this is a work in progress. But uh, uh, the uh, transgender community is so small; there probably is there's no direct political consequence. So, well, you know, and I think you know. Again, some of these things I'm I'm from I'm looking in from the outside, mm-hmm. you know, because you know I'm not involved in that in that issue. I don't have kids involved in that issue. Um, I'm not even sure if I have friends that have kids that are going through that. It's a it is a very small population of people, but I think what um, happens to people like myself, parents that you know, watch the same things everybody else watches, right? You watch the news, you know, and they, they stoke the fire, both sides stoke the fire. And what you get, unfortunately, is that you must comply. You must comply, you know, as a parent. And you might as well be, you know, starting the next civil war with a parent when you tell them right. you must comply. <laughs> Our judgment over. Well, as a matter of fact, if you remember, it was um, uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe was running for governor. Oh, yeah. Virginia. That's right. He's the one who started all of this, this par- uh, parental power. Uh, he made the um, uh, terrible Horrible. mistake of saying uh, that uh, parents should, uh, I don't remember the exact phrasing, yeah. but ultimately that uh, parents should stay out of the way for of public education. <laughs> and uh, his opponent, now Governor Yunkin, seized upon it. And um, it uh, flipped, it flipped. Uh, McAuliffe was going in until that point was in the lead. And then his, his, uh, his polling numbers collapsed and ultimately he lost the election. Yeah. That's what started this whole parental rights uh or gave life to it. There's always been a parental rights uh, conversation, but it led to a surprise victory in the governor's race. And um, and it's now a standard mantra uh, because it does galvanize people, whether it's good policy or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and it's it's really difficult. It is a very difficult issue. And, and I think um, what what you have is, you know, people that believe that, that uh, on, on the parental rights side of things, and they don't really look at anything else. Like I, I know as a parent, you don't look at, you know, ha- if it has anything to do with gender, if it has anything to do with, it's really just more anything where you're going to step, try to step in between me and my child. Right. You're just not going to win. You know, we're going to go to war on it. But, um, well, ironically, the voucher argument is based on parental rights, um, and yeah. parental empowerment. Yeah. And the, the transgender bill is denial of parental rights. And, uh, so it's, we don't have to be consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds when it comes to the legislature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we already are, we're already seeing that there's uh, at least on the on the Democratic side there isn't room for um, having a, an opposing view to what the Democratic Party wants the view to be on this issue, and we saw that with uh, Representative Sean Terry uh, recently, where she spoke. Uh, you know, she she spoke in favor um, and. She immediately 
probably within that uh, 30 minutes of <laughs> that speech she made on the floor. She had a primary opponent. <laughs> now, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Primary opponent, everybody, you know, people get primary for all kinds of things. But tell me what you think about um, how this issue is going to play out in the in the Texas, you know, election that's coming up. It's a litmus test issue and uh, for both sides. Um, it's more important to Republicans in their primary, but and uh, Representative Terry was uh, the only uh, Democratic vote supporting it. Uh, the uh, the LGBTQ community um, is uh, an important constituency in their primary, mm-hmm. um, and it's part of their coalition, and they're pretty much mobilized on this. Uh, so it's uh, it's it, it will have consequences. She may be able to survive uh, her primary. Um, uh, we're now in a circumstance where our primaries are driven more by national issues than they are right. by by local issues or by t- state issues. Uh, so uh, we'll see what the, the national argument is inside the Democratic Party going forward. She will have a, a, a pretty severe challenge. And the, the real question is, can she raise money now? Because there will be money going to her opponent, um, since that's one of the litmus test issues for the Democrats. I'm Harvey Kronberg, owner, uh, publisher, and chief bottle washer of The Quorum Report, Texas' oldest political publication for insiders and political professionals. We're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. We were the first ones online delivering uh, news to political professionals in real time. The Quorum Report includes a news clipping service, which if you're politically engaged are the 36 stories you need to see every day, plus original content, sometimes posted as frequently as 10 or 12 times a day, and also occasional edit editorial analysis. You can find us at quorumreport.com. Do you think there's going to be um, a lot of, well, this is a stupid question. Is there (laughs) going to be a lot of money that's going to be thrown into the Texas races? Well, really the question is, how do you think it's going to impact, you know, maybe the balance of power, like on the, you know, with with the Senate and House members? Are are we going to, do you see that there's going to be Based on those issues, that enough money is going to flow in, that we're that there's going to be a shift. Are we going to say relatively the same, or uh, how do you see this playing out? Well, the Senate, uh, we go back to redistricting on this, and the Senate uh, uh, districts are um, so gerrymandered that uh, I it, it to see a shift from a Republican to a Democrat is pretty much inconceivable based on. What we know today. Now, if, if Donald Trump's on the top of the ticket, that may have some consequence mm. um, because suburban housewives, well, <laughs> there's large swaths of otherwise Republican voters that cannot embrace that. Uh, so, but the Senate is pretty much locked down. It's going to stay the same balance of power. Um, the question is will uh, more independent Republicans challenge? Um, uh, uh, people, the, the compliant Republicans, the, the ones that are compliant to the lieutenant governor, uh, and will they have money? But that's too far out the war game. And uh, yeah. I think incumbency probably will prevail in the Senate. The House, on the other hand, uh, they when they drew the map, they actually struggled to draw. Eight, it's a 150 member body. 76 is a majority. There was a certain amount of struggling to get uh, 87 predictable, predictably Republican seats. And of those 87 seats, 16, do the math, that takes you down, you subtract 16, that takes you down to 71. Um, and there are 16 seats, I'm going to be a little um, uh, in the weeds here, but there are 16 <laughs> seats that had 57% or less Trump vote in the last election. 
Hmm. 57% went for odds makers like me and prognosticators and, you know, people who have strong opinions, whether right or wrong. Uh, 57% is a threshold for a swing district. Um, okay. And we look to have a viable Democratic uh, challenger against Ted Cruz, uh, as well as uh, the race uh, for the presidency. Um, the last time this happened, uh, when Obama was elected, it brought out a whole series of highly motivated Democratic voters. And for a moment, it looked like the state was going to turn purple. The House split 76 Republicans, 74 Democrats. Um, and um, uh, that's when Speaker Strauss, uh, a moderate uh, moderate conservative Republican, mm -hmm. uh, was elected Speaker. I see that potentially happening this time. That's one of the reasons that they are creating the election, so-called election integrity bills they've passed, create so much friction in the process um, uh, that um, what they're trying to do is tamp down on uh, voter turnout, particularly in urban, suburban areas. So those bills, um, I forgot to mention that as another priority. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know where they are in the process, to be honest with you. I've been following, I followed them for a while and then, uh, you know, everything else kind of overrode, overrode those those bills. Where are they in this, in the process? Um, actually, I've... Uh, <laughs> I'm overwhelmed with the tyranny of the tale myself <laughs> at the moment. So I know. Uh, there's so much going on; it's hard um, to keep track of everything. Right, and I, um, uh, they were they were lieutenant governor prior. Most of them were lieutenant so, governor. So priorities. I think they're out of the Senate, definitely. But, oh, they're, they're, yeah. but they're sitting on this. They're sitting in the House somewhere, and they're probably a com committee not being heard. I'm uh, well, I, I don't think that um, the speaker wants that particular controversy on his plate. So yeah, we haven't seen. Well, it's we just pen finished a, a essential deadline. Uh, for House-generated bills, yeah. so they, if they haven't been heard on the floor by now, they're not. They can't be, uh, and there is so much um, tension between the lieutenant governor and the speaker. Uh, they're they're slow walking Senate bills right now, yeah. and um, I, I think he's got enough controversies on his plate. Um, they got eighty percent, eighty-five percent of what they wanted in terms of creating friction in the uh, voter registration process. But we, the Senate, did pass a bill which I don't think is going to ha have much legs. They had an issue in Harris County, which is uh, the biggest voting population um, in the state, frankly, and it's increasingly uh, turning Democratic. Uh, they had some in the last election. They had. Uh, uh, a shortage of paper in a half a dozen or a dozen precincts. Mm. Uh, so there's now a bill that passed the Senate that said if it only says Harris County, which is uh, essentially a Democratic county now, yeah. only Harris County, if there's a shortage of uh, uh, paper, the Secretary of State can uh, overturn the election and um, uh, force a new election. I would be very surprised if that happens, uh, uh, passes the the. Uh, uh, house, but um, they've they've taken some pretty draconian actions towards cities already. So, yeah. Uh, well, there's, you have the uh, what, what they call the uh, what's the preemption bill, right? right? And uh, they call it the Death Star bill. <laughs> um, I call it the full lawyer full employment. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, exactly. Pretty much on its face, unconstitutional, but it has to be litigated. So, yeah. And uh, I only play a lawyer on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, it's a comp, it's it's a very complicated issue. I mean, I, I mean, everybody I think may understand about preemption with regard to the federal government and state government, but we've never had you know state preemption over local government. 
and that's what this does. So uh, drags give, it down. Just to give a, 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 an example of what the uh, why local control is important, what this bill says is uh, you can't go beyond state law, and there's eleven categories right. or something to that effect. Yeah, that so well, it kind of covers everything. You've got uniform. You've got uniformity statewide is the argument, which allows businesses to only have to navigate one process. The problem is, uh, and somebody pointed out uh, in in Houston, uh, the state regulation of tow trucks. It, uh, tow truck drivers is a $15 certificate with no background check. In Harris County, it's $99, which basically covers the cost of a background check. And they, I don't remember what the numbers are, but they discover people are um, uh, uh, criminals. They have a criminal background. They have a sexual abuse background. They have a theft background. And so in this case, uh, just as an example, Harris County is protecting its citizens, or Houston is protecting its citizens uh, from criminals better than the state is. And uh, so that's just one example of um, what um, what sounds like a good idea on paper, but is going to be disastrous, frankly. Well, there was a day when local control was the holy grail for, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for conservative politics. I remember that. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I like local control. Um you know, it's frustrating, for, but it's local. It's very frustrating. Uh, it is local. You know, I think, it, you know, the problem, you know, with it just on its face, you know, just simply on its face for me is, you know, the legislature only meets every other year. I I'm mean, fond of saying 140 days out of every 750. <laughs> I mean, I don't want them meeting full time uh, like they do in California, but you, it's pretty difficult to manage a local issue, I think, with, with only coming in every two. It's hard to even do state politics that way. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, that's problematic. I mean, it, it seems to me that if you've been at the forefront of a bill like that and you're a re- Republican and you're running for reelection, you know, even though it's been supported by, you know, the GOP, it seems like, you know, you, you could, to your point, find someone who's more a moderate, um, and maybe more of a local control uh, conservative run a traditional a tra- conservative. yeah I guess you yeah traditional I guess that's a good way to put it yeah mm-hmm. um, I, we'll we'll see how this plays out I don't think that it would have survived had it not been the uh, the child of the uh, uh, calendars chairman the calendars chairman is the one who does the sets the the schedule of bills to be heard on the floor yeah and eighty uh, percent uh, of the bills that go to the calendars committee never see the light of day again. Uh, so the committee can say the original committee can say they passed it. So the calendars, calendars killed it. And, um, but, uh, it is, there's an implicit threat. Um, and in this case, it wasn't particularly that implicit, uh, that, uh, this was a must pass bill for the calendars chair. Well, when you're, when you are calendars chair, although the power is not what it used to be, uh, before when they actually could literally just your bills died. The, mm-hmm. It was the, the committee where bills went to die. Um, now it's more, uh, we were talking earlier, it's more like uh, term life, you know. <laughs> you, you can kill it for a while, but, but you don't have, you know, full killing power, but it's enough. Right. Particularly when you get so close to these deadlines. Um, well, in our previous different. session, we were talking about the rules and process. One of those little uh, interesting tidbits is... Um, uh, your bill dies in calendar. You run around trying to find another bill that has a caption. That's the title yeah. at the top of the yeah. bill. That's big enough to embrace your bill. 
And then you have to talk the bill author into accepting it as a potential amendment. Uh, so there's a workaround, but uh, yeah. the calendars committee, it's very arduous, rarely happens, but it does happen enough to uh, uh, be you know, pretty much in most lobbyists' playbook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I remember some of the conference committee bills coming out at the end of session uh, where it had every single subject matter in them. Right. I mean, yeah, and it, it, just because people were dying for a place to put their language into. But I remember a point of order can kill a bill, but um, a conference committee report, one of the most commonly used uh, re- ways to kill a bill is to say that uh, uh, the bill itself is not germane to that's the right. title. That's the main, that's it, right. In a conference committee report, germaneness is not a legitimate point of order. That's exactly right. So. And a lot of stuff got through that way. Well, exactly. And I, I got a lot of stuff through that way. I was whistling <laughs> and looking in the other direction. Right. <laughs> well, Harvey, thanks again. Uh, this is great. Uh, let's, uh, we got a lot more to talk about and we'll see you on the next podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition, consider subscribing on Apple and Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find those links below in the show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.